Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast Series, and my name is Carl Vredenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 83, and the topic for today is communication challenges. And this particular installment of the podcast series is one of the types that deals with listener questions, where a number of you have sent me via Facebook message or email particular questions that you would like to have addressed. And what I've put together is a number of the questions that have to do with communication or where communication is kind of central to resolving the situation as well. Now, these are questions that are often a little more personal compared with the general recommendation of topics that I normally get from you, the listeners of this series. So as a result, I won't use your real names, but I'll use pseudonyms instead. Now, before we get into the four questions that you sent in that we'll be talking about today, I wanted to start off with a series of quotes that have to do with the kinds of topics that we'll be dealing with on the broad topic of communication. The first is from George Bernard Shaw, who said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, when the eyes say one thing and the tongue another, a practiced man relies on the language of the first. Stanley Horowitz said, Nothing lowers the level of conversation more than raising the voice. Donald A. Laird said, Abilities wither under fault-finding, blossom with encouragement. Lillian Hellman said, People change and forget to tell each other. And lastly, an anonymous quote that says, The real art of conversation is not only to say the right thing at the right time, but also to leave unsaid the wrong thing at that tempting moment. I think some great quotes to get us onto these various topics that have to do with communication. The first question comes from Dave, and Dave is a pseudonym, who said, I'm a truckie and I listen to your podcast while I drive. Keep up the good work. The suggestion is... What makes a good conversation? How to initiate and keep such a good conversation going? Very much appreciate you dealing with that topic. Thank you. So Dave, I would suggest that for a lot of people, they think about a conversation as being something that they need to lead and they need to be creating a lot of the content in the conversation, meaning that you need to talk a lot. And I'd like to first start off by suggesting that that is not the case and that the best advice I can give is to focus on the other person and be very careful to not focus on you. Ask questions and listen to the answers that the person that you're speaking with comes up with and ask follow-up questions and do all of that authentically from the heart and as many of you know, I did a particularly focused 
episode on the topic of authentic listening that I'd recommend you follow up on and listen to as well, which was number 58. So show genuine interest in what the other person is saying, maintain eye contact, paraphrase with meaning what they said before you ask a follow-up question. Use the person's name if you happen to know it. And, you know, monitor how the conversation is going and don't push if the other person that you're speaking to doesn't appear to be interested in pursuing the conversation more. There are times when silence is golden. If you have something in common, like your place of work, where you're living, whether you're on the same plane, pursue topics related to that. You know, what do you think of X, Y, Z, or Z? Keep it light initially, and if you're so inclined, be funny and keep it lighthearted. I also suggest, as I have in previous episodes as well, that a lot of this type of skill really takes some development, takes some practice. So see some opportunities that you may come across as opportunities to practice this becoming a good conversationalist. So if, for example, you're sitting on a plane, I sit on planes a lot and have a lot of conversations with people sitting beside me on a plane, and there is no better opportunity to try new ways of communicating with other people than that opportunity, sitting right there next to somebody on a plane. You can practice these kinds of techniques in situations, you know, like that. So each aspect of this afterwards, sort of look back on and say, well, you know, maybe I went a little too far in that direction. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten onto that topic. That was too heavy. Or maybe this was particularly effective. You know, it was really great that I really explored aspects that they were interested in talking about more than initially things that I'm interested in. Realize that as we've talked about before on any number of different topics that getting good at this often does take practice and I'd recommend that you think through the kinds of things I just touched on and then practice them and then reflect on the practice that you just had and try to improve upon it for the next time that you have another opportunity to practice as well. Jenna wrote to me and said, just discovered the pods, thank you. If you haven't already done so, how about some thoughts and discussion involving the maintenance and improvement of the relationship between parents, mums in particular, and their adult sons or children who are of age but finding life challenging? How can we rework the parenting role, offer support, but allow them to make mistakes, etc.? Thank you. And Jenna, thanks so much for that question. I think it's incredibly important as we realize that, and we should realize, that parenting doesn't end when your kids become adults. It's just different. Like we have to realize that and acknowledge that they're now adults, and we have to get to know them as adults. Their opinions, which may be different from ours, it suggests that you read what they've written, listen more than talk, which is a similar advice that I just gave to uh, Dave as well. Give them space. Don't just drop in on them, whether they're still living at home, in their room, let's say, or if they're on their own 
You don't want to just drop in. You want to be invited or at least ask if you can come over and the like. Let them make decisions on their own with regard to things like relationships or in time kids, career, but while still providing advice. Adult kids, you know, still need advice and should get the benefit of your experience and your desire to have them have the best possible life. But really be careful not to overdo it or to give advice that only suits you. It's not about you. Let them run their own lives. Also avoid the phrase, when I was your age, times were different when you were their age, and it's a different world now as well. There may well be instances where you have some experience to impart and some advice to give, but try to be cautious in offering it too readily. Let them create their own successes and failures, and you don't have to fix everything for them anymore. Respect their choices in relationships and career. And with regard to finances, you know, set up some heuristics, but be reasonable so that they can get a really good start as well. Stay in touch with them is another thing I would strongly recommend, whether it's by social media, you know, video conference if they're farther away, texting to be able to do that anytime, anywhere, phone calls, or in person. Keep a connection that feels natural to both of you. Encourage your kids to stay in contact with each other as well, if you have more than one. Also suggest to still do stuff together. Have shared vacations and share special family traditions and occasions as well. But in general, I think it's a realization that you are still their parent, but they, as they're developing as adults need to now also evolve. And the relationship between the two of you needs to evolve as well. I think there can be extremes of trying to maintain without having given enough thought the notion that parents should still be given advice all the time on everything. And then kids revolt against that or just break off the relationship because they don't want to maintain that level of interaction. On the other hand, there's also parents, I think, that just assume, well, the kids are now grown. Just let them make all their own mistakes and uh, they don't need uh, advice from me anymore. I think deep down inside, the kids do really still yearn for and will seek out advice and need that advice based on your and other adults' experience as well. But it's a delicate balance as you both go through this new transition in your roles to be a little more careful about to readily offering advice and also being careful not to minimize that too much either. So as I said in my answer to Dave's question, it's also even focusing on the fact that this is a subject that you should be even thinking about or evaluating is rather important here. So rather than just carrying on with life day to day and occasionally then stepping back and saying, oh my God, what's happened? Instead, on a regular basis, think even right this second how the relationship has been going with your adult kids if you have them. Is there enough room? Do you think that maybe they we're asking for advice and you kind of push them away because you figured that they could deal with it on their own. On a regular basis, I think, 
give it thought as to whether you're turning up that advice a little too high or whether you're backing off a little bit too much as well. And I think if you do that on a regular basis and also have that open line of communication with your adult kids and ask them how that's been going and whether they have any recommendations for kind of improvement here, I think that's the formula for success here because you're both going through a transition. The next question is from Kathy, who writes, I was wondering if you had any advice on grandparents or in-laws in particular, when it comes to boundaries for our children when in their care. My mom has my two boys, aged three and five, two days a week while I'm at work. She acts as if the boys are her children. She lets them and encourages them, in fact, to call her mom. She doesn't consult my husband or I if a decision needs to be made regarding the boys. But it is the attitude that comes across. Like, I have the boys two days a week, and while they're in my care, I do things my way. She doesn't listen to us when we ask her not to give them so much junk food. She and my dad let the children watch TV shows that are not appropriate. She also lets them watch TV and play on their iPads and PS3 all day. Another great question and sort of the flip side of the equation and the question that Jenna asked as well, Kathy, with regard to the changing nature of the relationship of parents and, you know, their kids and then grandkids. And the advice I'd provide here is that even as an adult that you are now, your parents are still your parents. So it's second nature for them to try and tell you what to do. Even when it comes to opinions or parenting, I would suggest that instead of reacting in the heat of the moment, when you see these kinds of transgressions against your rules, take a deep breath and discuss your feelings with your partner. And it's very important to make sure that you're together. It sounds like you already are, but this is also for anybody else that more generally is thinking about this topic. And then you should gently discuss it with your folks when the time is right. So not right in the heat of the moment, but have a special time. Maybe you're going to come over on the weekend So it's not just during the regular drop off the kids and pick them up and all the, you know, urgency of getting to work and all that kind of thing. Have it as a special time, maybe when the kids aren't around, where you can actually have a a serious and open conversation about this when there aren't the pressures of daily life around you. Now, you are the parents and they are the grandparents, and both of these roles are really important. And it's crucial to determine the boundaries between those roles. And as I was saying to Jenna, it's also the case that these roles change over time. And a lot of people don't give it any thought whatsoever of what the role should be like and what the relationship changes may be like. And there may well be the possibility that, you know, your parents really haven't given this a lot of thought and are simply going with whatever comes naturally to them. And all it really requires is having a an open conversation, you know, about it. But it does make sense to set some set of, you know, rules, or if there's resistance to sort of rules, this is the way we like to have our kids do things. The suggestion here is to create some concrete guidelines, but really importantly as well is to present them in a positive way rather than in a negative way. So instead of you saying, we don't want you to X, Y, and Z or Z, 
try instead, we'd like to encourage you to do A, B, or C with our kids. And also even to the point of them calling you mom, instead of saying, I don't want you to encourage the kids to call you mom, say instead, you seem to be too young to be called grandma and I'm already the boy's mother. Why don't we try to find a name that they can call you that you'd be comfortable with? I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with the transition of becoming grandparents and being called, you know, grandma or grandpa simply because they have a concept of themselves of being, you know, younger than that role. And this may not be the case in your case, Kathy, but if it is, your mother may well be choosing to adopt the name mom in reaction to that. And there are any number of other names, including her own, own, just her first name as well, that may be possible. But I think I would bring it up as, you know, why she really wants to use that term when it certainly would be something that would be problematic for you. Now, some grandparents feel that they can spoil their grandchildren, especially when they only see the kids for a few hours, say once a month or so. And I've certainly heard that a lot. And there is something to be said for even that possibility in terms of grandparents that don't see the grandkids all that much or all that often. But if the kids in your case are spending, you know, two out of every seven days a week with them for the whole day, then the boundary rules are much more important. And the impact of your kids being able to do any number of things that you mentioned that are not things that you would want them to do is more serious, right? If two out of seven days a week, they're doing things that are opposite to what you would like them to do and how they develop, then that's pretty serious. So in comparison to the, you know, a couple of hours once a month, that's actually a bigger deal. So realize that you and your husband and your parents are going through this, you know, major transformation and that with the boundary rules needing to be more important, that conversation that I was suggesting that you have, you know, calmly with them, you can also reinforce that, that in general, grandparents being able to spoil their kids is a commonly held view. But in your case, the fact that the kids are spending as much time as they are with their grandparents, that it's more important actually to not be in a mode where they can spoil them all they want uh, for the time that they're with them, because that will have a, a too strong effect uh, on them and their growing up. So the recommendation here is to have that conversation quite openly and develop a plan with the two of you, meaning they, your grandparents, and you and your husband, that will be mutually acceptable to both and work it out in a positive fashion and then execute on that plan, you know, moving forward. Again, reinforcing again the fact that many times people simply aren't aware of the changing roles and the various issues that are at stake here. And half the battle is in a very positive way, bringing up the topic and communicating very effectively on how you can rectify that situation as well. Lastly, Jeff asks the question, what really inspired you to do a podcast series like Life Habits? What sources did you pick up to do it? And Jeff, I did mention, I think in a couple of the podcasts, but we've had so many of these episodes over the, the years that I've been doing this now that um, 
it's worth you know mentioning again what the overall inspiration you know was for this podcast series my undergraduate and graduate education was in the area of psychology and cognitive science and my focus was on the linkage between people and between people and technology and that has always been both an academic and a practical area of focus you know for me and I have also spent a lot of time mentoring uh, my place of work for many years in mentoring both the staff that I had reporting to me as well as mentees from around the company as well. And I, at one point, decided that one of the really effective ways of mentoring might be to combine both the people side and the technology side of this and actually record podcast episodes on the various topics that I was doing mentoring sessions on and make those available to the people that I was mentoring as well as it might be of interest to others that were not within the circle of people that I was mentoring at the time. So I made the podcast available on iTunes and was very pleasantly surprised by the reaction and how popular it became and as a result also encouraged people who listen to the podcast series to provide feedback whether it's via email at lifehabits at gmail.com or more recently and much more voluminously through the facebook page at facebook.com slash lifehabits a lot of input a lot of feedback on how to improve the format of the podcast episodes. Also, a lot of suggestions for the topics that people would like me to address, as well as in this episode, is a good example of asking very specific questions that related to their own lives. And so it's now become a real partnership, I think, between me doing these sessions and the listeners of this podcast series as well, providing an awful lot of the input and feedback and suggestions as well over time. You ask what sources do I use, you know, for it? Well, my own educational background, the internships that I did, the fairly wide reading that I have done and still continue to do, and also the experience in managing and mentoring the people that I mentioned earlier, all contribute to the advice that I try to give here. I try to rely as well on you know, scientific evidence where that is available, others' common experiences and advice where that is available, as well as my own personal experience a lot of the time as well. And if there's topics that we're going to be doing that I don't have as expert a view you know, on, I invite guests to come and speak and interviewed on the podcast series as well and we have a whole collection of and will be again adding additional experts as well over the next number of podcast episodes uh, as well so jeff i hope that answers your question as to you know where the interest came in terms of the podcast series and what resources i use and thanks very much for that you know question as well and i want to reinforce again as well that Another real important aspect of this overall podcast series and why I do it and why I continue to do it. Because a lot of people that do podcasts, 
you know, do them for a while, especially if it's their hobby and isn't their business, which this is for me. It is my hobby and my passion. A large part of that is not just actually doing these recordings and making them available. It's also getting feedback from each of you as well, whether it's, you know, ratings and iTunes and other podcast aggregators, or whether it's emails or discussions on the Facebook page or Facebook messages as well. It's the connection with all of you that really does inspire me to continue to do this podcast series as well. And I'd like to encourage you to provide that feedback as well in response to this session. And I wanted to thank Dave, Jenna, Kathy, and Jeff. And those again are pseudonyms for the actual people that did send their questions in. I wanted to thank you for asking those questions. I hope that the advice I gave was of use to you as well as to others who may be having very similar types of questions as well. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much. And I encourage you to continue to focus on improving yourselves in all the ways that we talk about here. Talk to you all next time and bye for now.